Dear podcast subscribers, fun news. Every other week, we'll drop into the lineup a 30-minute episode of Listen Up from Welcome Project Radio. In addition to one of our stories, you'll also hear discussion of that story from co-director Allison Schutte and Welcome Project aficionado Willow Walsh. Hope you enjoy. Valparaiso. This is Allison Schutte. And Willow Walsh, and you're listening to Welcome Project Radio. The Welcome Project collects first-person stories and pairs them with facilitated conversation to help participants forge stronger ties within and across communities. We vision a world in which people are curious about and actively seek to engage those who are different from themselves. We are proudly underwritten by Asana Yoga Center and Roots Organic Juice Cafe, two excellent ways to feel good during a pandemic. They're located online at asanacenter.com and rootsjuicecafe.com. Theme music is provided by WVLP's very own Paul Schreiner. Thanks, Paul. Today we bring you Neighboring in Couts, a story from the Welcome Project's archive, so listen up. To give you a rundown of things, we'll play a story, discuss the storyteller's experience, and perhaps we'll learn something about what it means to be a good neighbor. Our storyteller today talks a little bit about his experiences of good neighbors in our nearby town, Couts, about knowing your neighbors, needing your neighbors, and building relationships. So we moved to Couts in October of 67. We had very good neighbors. The Martins were across the street. Uh, Fishers were on the corner. George and uh, Garlock and his brother lived behind us. And uh, his brother Spud died that spring. And George was very, very lonesome. He was apprehensive about this family moving in with two small kids. (laughs) <laughs> but he just became a, another grandfather to him. And uh, that, was, that was really my introduction to neighboring in, in, in Couts. You know, this is rural America. It's small town. And back in those days, there were many more farms. The farms were smaller. And on these farms, uh, there were jobs that you couldn't do by yourself. And so you became close with your neighbor and you shared. I'll share one, one story with you uh, about George Garlock. I mentioned earlier that uh, he was lonesome, but he had a pool table in the basement. So at least one night a week I'd go over and we'd shoot pool. And one night I asked him, do you miss being on, uh, on the, not being on the farm? And he said, I only miss one thing. I said, what's that? He said, well, I always had a salt shaker on the windowsill in the barn, and I'd go out in the garden, and I'd get me a tomato and salt it down, and I just loved it. He said, that's the only thing I miss. I said, well, George, my yard's too small to have a garden, but if we can dig up a corner of your yard, I'll furnish the labor and, and the plants and the seeds if we can use your yard. And he said, you dig up as much as you want. So I, I dug it up. Well, you know how it is when you turn over sod the first few years it's a battle and I was out there on a Saturday starting to plant and he came along and he's he said what are you doing and I I said well I'm trying to plant uh, some carrots he said you aren't going to grow anything in there 
this corner of the lot was where they dumped all the stuff during construction. And he went on in the house, and my wife came out shortly after that. She said, I'm going up to the grocery store. I said, if they have a bunch of carrots up there with the greens on, bring me a bunch, which she did. And I planted them. And on Tuesday, I didn't see George till Tuesday. He said, you son of a gun, everybody I've told about those carrots wants some of that seed. That's the way we went back and forth. The next year, I put my tomato plants in, and I came out the next morning, and there's big plastic uh, tomato hanging from one of those little plants. But that's the kind of relationship it was. And, you know, I I think uh, from my experience, if you are a good neighbor, your neighbor's going to be a good neighbor. For those of you just tuning in, this is Allison Schutte and Willow Walsh, and this is Welcome Project Radio. Listen up. So, Allison, my first question for you is, how would you describe the relationship he has with his neighbors? Uh, well, it feels very... Well, actually, we learn the names of some neighbors right away, but then we don't hear about them again. I don't know if that means that he didn't engage with them, but he clearly has a strong connection to George. And it feels like, um, I I would say it it starts to cross a line in my mind between being a neighbor and a a friend. Mm. Like it it has a kind of intimacy to it that, that I don't necessarily automatically think of when I hear the word neighbor. Mm. Do you have a different perception of that? Yeah, I was just impressed. Maybe it's because it's Couts, but he named so many neighbors. (laughs) And I'd say personally, I don't think I could name that many people who live around me. So so I'd say, yeah, that that feels pretty close. But that's interesting. You mentioned that George maybe is more of a friend than a neighbor. And I wonder, like, what, how, like, what's the difference? Like, what's notable about the difference between a friend Mm -hmm. and a neighbor to you? Like, because, like, my thought is, like, isn't it the ideal that like neighbor is like all these people who are around me that I may be nice to, but like yeah. maybe the the goal is to become friends with them. But like, is that like, is that the same mentality you think? Well, um, this might be a little bit long of an answer, but like to the knowing the names of your neighbors, I had somebody ask me recently if I could name my neighbors and they were pretty impressed with how many like I knew. And I feel like that hasn't always been true for me. Mm-hmm. But even so, like the fact that I know the names and I feel like I'm very friendly with a few of the people that live right around me, like stepping over into their house, like crossing that threshold, Mm. that feels like um, a bigger deal. Um, Not that it's like weird or awkward, but just that like it's another step in a relationship mm. to go into somebody's house rather than just chatting with them on the sidewalk. And so I feel like when you cross that threshold, it begins to, I don't know, like shape the neighborly relationship in a, in a new way. Maybe friendship is too strong of a word, but I was really curious about the pool table and the role that that pool table pl- played for, for George and our storyteller. What do you think? Like what role did that Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that played a huge role, right? Because there is like this garden that they ended up creating together. But I also think about like, we talked a little bit about before about like recognizing the needs of our neighbors. And I don't think our storyteller necessarily would have recognized that George 
has, you know, or like had that want for a garden or like to taste that fresh salted tomato, like that, that wouldn't have necessarily have happened if there weren't those like weekly pool table sessions. So it becomes like this, like this beginning aspect of like, maybe it's necessary to have those like weekly pool table meetings in order to like slowly uncover things that end up like, you know, you discover things about your neighbor, like George, who would be so happy to have a tomato plant again. And I think that kind of is where that that grew out of. So I, I, I think it played an integral role yeah. in, in creating that. The other thing that I think about with pool or maybe other games is like you have something occupying you as you start to get to know somebody. Yeah. So if if you ever just can't think of something to say, it's okay because you can be like focused on like <laughs> hitting the cue ball, you know, or like going and getting another beer or something like that. So it provides both like an opportunity to really get to know somebody, but it gives you a little sense of safety and security too, that there's this activity that you're, you're doing as well. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting too, because it's like, I also wonder, and maybe this is like throwing a whole crux in this, but like how we do that nowadays, because I ne- I wouldn't necessarily invite my neighbors over right now uh, to come to my oh, house just because, because COVID, it's a pandemic I mean? outside. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm thinking like, too, like, I wonder if there's also ways to do this. Like, how do we how do we cross that threshold now? Yeah. So I don't know. But maybe that's just something to think about. But that's something that came to mind for me. Well, I definitely think like outdoors for now, yeah. while we're still in September or October, would provide possible opportunities for that. Like even like uh, helping somebody rake their leaves or mm, something. You know? Yeah. But um, but yeah, you do have to make sure you are on the same wavelength with your neighbors <laughs> in terms of like how close before you put a mask on or something yeah, like that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the storyteller says that back in those days, you shared, like you shared with your neighbors. And I'm wondering what it is that we think these two people are sharing with each other. Yeah. Um, well, I think there's like a couple of different things. So that makes so this idea of sharing. So that makes me think of like, first, it's this, the fruits of their garden, right? So they're creating this garden together. They're, they're sharing space. They're sharing yard space. They're yeah. also sharing, you know, the vegetables that come out of it. Um, but I, I think there's, a, there's another layer there in terms of sharing. Yeah, maybe let's unpack what is happening when they dig, dig up the yard. Like, how would you put in your own words, like, what was going on when the storyteller dug up the yard (laughs) yeah so like well I mean I think there was this the the initial aspect of learning that George would love to have a garden and so our storyteller said well hey I'll I'll do all the labor I'll dig up the garden I'll plant the seeds um just as long as we can you know share yard space because I don't necessarily have that space in my yard but you know George you do so let's let's share something in that aspect yeah yeah and so I think there's there's that aspect of sharing. But, oh, that was the other idea of sharing I was thinking of, too, because he also mentioned, like, they live in, like, a small rural town mm-hmm. and, like, and in, in, on these farms you would you would need other people to kind of not only share space but, like, share equipment to, like, yeah. run the farms. And yeah. so there's, there's that aspect of it, too. Like, there's this sharing out of necessity for, like, these small farms to thrive. And then there's also sharing out of this, like, 
neighborly want to share because I don't think they like needed a garden necessarily oh, but I think it's right. something that they just decided to share to, to, to continue this this want for both of them I oh. guess to, to reach out and create this garden so I think there's like those two aspects of sharing we kind of learn in this story yeah so like the the farm one is out of necessity which yeah. doesn't diminish it yeah but there's this definite motivation for survival and then when you move in town <laughs> That necessity is no longer pressing people together, and so you have to make this decision yeah, to do yeah. it with each other. Yeah. What else is happening when they dig up that yard? <laughs> um, what else is happening? Oh, well, of course there's these jokes that are I happening. Mean, we got to talk about the carrots, right? my favorite. <laughs> this story just really got a kick out of that. I, he, he kind of says it so dryly first that I didn't realize it was a joke. I'm like, is this how you plant carrots? Right. <laughs> But he, but he, but he has his like the storyteller has his wife go go and grab carrots from the store, you know, with greens on them. So you know, because George comes out and he says, you know, you're not gonna grab, you know, you're not gonna grow anything here. That's where the construction people dumped all their stuff. And so I think so he's playing this little joke on him that he's gonna plant the carrots and then you know show him next Tuesday how big these carrots have gotten from the seeds. Yeah. And George is like, son of a gun! All these people want these <laughs> seeds from these carrots. And then I think George follows up with that, right? So right. it's not just our storyteller. George George takes the second leap, you know, the next year when the tomato plants come in, you know, our storyteller goes outside and he sees this big plastic tomato hanging from the plant. And so I, I think that's, <laughs> there's that extra level, right? They're like yeah. creating this garden and that's something that's nice in and of itself, but they add that extra layer of like humor and exchange, just kind of making fun of the situation, which I really enjoyed. I mean, and I think it's interesting that um, they they share a sense of humor. Yeah, like you yeah. can kind of imagine a situation in which it wouldn't flourish, you know, to the same same extent possible. Um, if you're just tuning in now, this is Allison Schuette and Willow Walsh, and you're listening to Welcome Project Radio. Listen up. Um, is there more to say about it being rural America? I thought it was interesting that the storyteller highlighted highlighted that, like it seemed important for him. Yes. So I think the storyteller, so he mentions like, you know, when uh, the family with two small kids moved in and then George was kind of apprehensive about them, um, but then he became like a grandfather to them. And the, the storyteller outlines that as like, this was my first introduction to neighboring in Couts. And so I think there's there's this sense that like there there maybe there's fewer neighbors mm. or it's just it's kind of like you know I'm thinking of living downtown Balpo and there's you know especially if you're living you know right near downtown there's a lot of houses on those blocks right and so there's a lot of neighbors you could become close to and maybe that's a little bit overwhelming but I think maybe there's something to be said that there's you know like what the Martins across the street or the, the fishers on the corner, right? You, there, there's less folks, and I think maybe there's like a longer drive to get to like the nearest grocery store or something like that. So there's something about this like isolation that's mm. creating this community yeah. too. So I, I almost wonder that there's like an easier, it feels, well, my sense listening to it is it feels easier to create this sense of community. Like it's almost maybe not expected, but it, <laughs> He's talking about small town America, rural America. Like this is just that something, you know, the way it kind of happens here that we know our neighbors in this way. And yeah. Yeah, he doesn't really say more about the Martins and the Fishers, but I do wonder with his 
attention to this being rural America, small town, you couldn't do it by yourself, you became close with your neighbors. It makes me wonder if he sensed like a com- camaraderie on that block, even mm-hmm. though he doesn't go on necessarily to talk about George and the Martins or George and the and the Fishers. But um, yeah, maybe that there's some social grease that wouldn't be... Mm. I don't know. I, I also am curious about how we divide up the way we think about rural, urban, suburban, and if there's something else. Like, we've talked about whether what what is Valparaiso? Mm, that's true. <laughs> like, is it rural? Sort of. It has roots in that. Um, is it a city? It seems to have aspirations for a like, urban lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Is it a suburb? I mean, some of the developments that we have on the outskirts of town would mm-hmm. indicate that, and the fact that people often are driving and doing their work in Chicago yeah. would also lend itself towards that. Um, so I, I've, I've, I'm wondering, like, my experience of my corner in sort of downtown Valparaiso is actually very similar to the small-town feel that I think he's talking about here, but I don't think that's true in, like, all parts of the city. I don't know what has been your experience of apartment living uh, oh you grew up here too so I mean you have lots of different yeah. ways of thinking about neighbors yeah no I think it's totally interesting because I grew up like right down your street at the very end of it and like my my experience with my neighbors was totally different like I remember we used to know the woman or my dad knew the woman across the street um, but once people started moving in and out we kind of lost mm. track um I mean, I guess it was, like, people who had other kids that, like, I could play with. But, I mean, other than that, like, there wasn't this, I don't know, my sense is that it was more overwhelming or that, it, you know, it just, it took something to, like, go out of your way to, like, make these relationships. And it's easy if you just both happen to be outside and, like, carrying yeah. groceries or something. But, like, if those moments never happen yeah. and you just end up you happen to live next to somebody for six years, multiple people or however long, you know, it's just, I I, I think it's, maybe we don't know how to like access that, but I'd be so, like, I want to hear like how you ended up doing that on your block because your block looks really similar to what I grew up on. Yeah. And like, I feel like you have a totally different experience there. And like, I mean, there's like, doesn't Liz have this like garden with the neighbors or something like that? Like, how did that come about? Like you guys are actually doing this. (laughs) So like, how did that come about? Like, how did you create that? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say I created it. I mean, I think, I think there's some ways in which I participated in helping to create it, but like the shared garden space Mm -hmm. was actually new neighbors who moved in. And then like, I would describe them as like, incredibly friendly (laughs) and uh one of them is like very outgoing like you can tell that he's fed by social encounters Mm -hmm. and so I think it was his idea to use the neighbor's land to create like the gardening and then the neighbors who have the the plot already knew that Liz liked to garden so brought her into that and then of Mm -hmm. course once you start the common project together you begin to have conversations about like, well, what should we plant or Mm. when do we pull up something or what kind of fencing do we need and conversations about investing. Like Mm. it doesn't cost a lot, but there's still some investment involved. Um, So I think in some ways it was like 
Dan's gregarious nature <laughs> that helped. I think also um, teaching a class on what does it mean to be a neighbor made yeah. me start to really look at my own habits and practices. I think as well, like, although Dan and Sarah are new, um, other neighbors have been in the area a while. So, like, we really just over time seeing each other again and again mm. you know you develop that that habit because people are around but we actually do have new people that moved in across the way too and it hasn't seemed to make it feel strange it's just mm. like well we haven't known them long enough yet and dog walking that makes a difference too you meet people <laughs> and you walk your dog um yeah, I I I don't know if this is jumping too far forward already, but I, you know, he says that if you're a good neighbor, your neighbor is going to be a good neighbor. And I just wondered, is that really true? <laughs> like what do you think about that? Will people <laughs> reciprocate if if you extend goodness first? I think that's so funny. I was going to ask you the same thing. Yeah, well, um, we can both talk about it then. Uh, like, I think, well, the one thing that I like that he points out is right before that he says, from my experience, if you're a good neighbor, your neighbor's going to be a good neighbor. So I think there's something to be said about that too. Like, you know, like every time he's reached out to be a good neighbor, he's had it reciprocated. And I think there's something to be said about that. Like, I don't think there should be the expectation that it's always going to happen. Yeah. Like, especially if you're listening to this right now and you're like, wow, like, should I talk to my neighbor? Should we do something together? And maybe your neighbor is not going to be into that. And I think that's okay. Right. But I think that there's a possibility that just creating that space to make something happen is, would really go a long way. Because I think, like, I'm super awkward. Like, I wouldn't go and talk to my neighbor about creating something jointly together or like spending time together on a regular basis. But I think if my neighbor approached me and asked me to do that, I think I would be, I think I would go for it, yeah. right? Because that would be something fun to share. So I think like if you do, I, I wonder too, this actually goes back to something earlier in the story, like George's apprehension towards these new neighbors. Oh, right. And I think there's something there too. Like maybe it's like also like awkwardness, like for me, but also maybe like for George, it's like there's this apprehension, like this not knowing about your neighbors, this sort of like cautious. Kids on the block. Yeah. They yeah. Like exactly. Like yeah. you don't know how this is going to yeah. go. Like, you know, maybe there's some fear there. So I think just taking that first leap yeah. and like either talking to your neighbor, or like starting to create that relationship I think, I don't know, 100% of the time if it's yeah. going to end really fruitfully, like you're going to create this wonderful yeah. garden together yeah. or like become almost friends maybe. But I think like taking that first leap will end up in more positive relationships than not taking any leaps at all, I think, yeah. is how I interpret that. How did you think of it? Well, I have a good sort of like, don't, don't try this at home. Because <laughs> like when I first moved into the house that we're in now, um, one of the neighbors was playing music really loud on a Saturday while he was doing yard work. Mm -hmm. And it was not, I have this thing about the, the bass, the like, if it's loud enough that I can feel it in my chest, I feel like it's too loud. Um, anyway, so I was like, I'm going to get up the courage and I'm going to go ask him to turn it down. It was like the first encounter we'd had with each other. And um, so like I did and he turned it down 
And I felt like really proud of myself. And then I actually went and talked to my therapist about this, um, you know, because I was like, look at this thing. I stood up for myself and something that I needed or wanted. And yeah. she's like, um, you know, like, is this something that's happening like all the time or is it like once in a while? And I was like, yeah, actually, I mean, it, it isn't all the time. And she was just like, you know, like you're sharing that space Mm. you know it's it's like the neighborhood it's not just yours and so she was encouraging me to be a little bit more generous with how I decided what you know like was my need at that point and I just really feel like we never got very close with that particular neighbor um and I think you know it was marked in part by like my first (laughs) gesture towards him um, and then I feel like I have a, like a another story like when this is when I lived in New York and it was a house that had been turned into two apartments. So mm-hmm. like I was on living on the top floor with my partner at the time and like other people were in that first story and there was like you could see the light from their apartment up in your apartment. So like there's no <laughs> insulation. So like whatever we were doing, everybody in this house was hearing. And one set of neighbors that moved in there um, – just like to party a lot and there was some real trauma going on there because sometimes one of the residents would just go into like a major sort of panic mode Mm -hmm. and it was a very very difficult situation um I was never never nice to them ever (laughs) and then right when we were getting ready to leave like move I walked up one day and she was gardening. Like she was putting plants out, which she had, you know, never done before. And she was doing like a really nice job. And I just said, wow, those are really beautiful. And like she looked at me and said, thanks. And it was like this strange, like, that was so easy. You know, like we just had, it just really felt like a genuine exchange. Very, very small and tiny. But I was like, why, why did I wait? to do this Mm. or why did either of us wait to do this until it wasn't going to matter anymore so I think I agree with him and I'm not sure you know like I don't know if it gets to be total reciprocation in the sense of like it seems like what he and George have is pretty special Mm -hmm. like yeah but I do feel like he's right that you're you're setting the stage or if somebody else is setting the stage and, and you're responding to it that 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 goes a long, <laughs> a long way. Yeah. No, I love that. That makes me think of like when we first moved into our apartment, our neighbor, we had put our plants on the wrong side of the door and we didn't know this. Like we only have one neighbor, um, but we put it on the right side of our door instead of the left. And we woke up the next morning to this like huge note on our door about how disrespectful <laughs> it was that we had put our plants in her space. And, and it was, yeah, it was this really long note about like how we shouldn't be doing that. We need to be respectful of others' property. And we felt really bad, but we also, you know, it was like the same thing. I just felt like, uh, like what a weird first interaction. But what's so funny about that is like, it, it definitely has tinged our relationship. But yeah. what's so weird is that like, if she gets something extra at the grocery store, she like brings it over to our house. Like oh. we got like, we got sparkling water that we didn't really like. And we like brought it over and we're like, do you like this? And she was like, yeah, I love this. And she made extra dinner one night and she came over and brought it. And it's so crazy that we, we had this weird bad experience at the very beginning, yeah. but it's kind of blossomed into something that's yeah. kind of better. 
So I think there's something there too. Like maybe even if you aren't a good neighbor at the offset, it doesn't mean that there isn't uh, potential to be a right. good neighbor after that. It's too. not destiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think too, like um, maybe uh, in terms of how you don't take it personally, like a, he doesn't talk about this. The storyteller doesn't talk about this, but I, I wonder like if the very first thing that a neighbor does, like a note on the door mm-hmm. instead of something in person, like if you don't take it personally, that leaves open the option mm-hmm. that something positive could, could be happening. You know, like if my neighbor hadn't taken it, I don't know if he took it personally that I asked him <laughs> to turn down the music, but you know, if he was just like, okay, this is the, you know, the new, new person on the block, like, um, maybe I ought to, you know, like, let her know that I'm still, like, here and willing to, I don't know, like, mow each other's lawns on yeah, some, yeah. some moment or something. I don't know. Do you see, um, just in the last minute or so, we have, like, any similarities with our storyteller from last week in terms of trust and letting down your guard and Mm. is this the same or has something been added maybe by the storyteller this week I think in terms of trust I'm not so sure I think maybe the community and Couts maybe created this sort of like small town trust feeling that maybe he's getting at there um, but I also wonder at like how that looks in in Valpo when I you know like downtown Valpo like I don't feel like I necessarily have that same amount of trust like I think we also talked about like identifying the need and I think our storyteller does that with these weekly pool games to like identify this yeah. need for a garden but in terms of trust I th- I think like the, the need is more identified in Couts is that you only have so many neighbors and you're mm-hmm. either going to get along with them or you're yeah. not. And I think in Belpo, you could, you, you have the decision to either create those relationships or not. And so I think it becomes more your own personal responsibility to like take an undertaking of that need and, and find out, you know, what your neighbors like, what they don't like. Maybe just have conversations, maybe you know, talk about yards or something. I'm not sure how to start that conversation, but I think there are a lot of different ways we can start that. And I think for for people in Valpo, I think we can just start to take that first leap and find out what our needs are. And maybe we can grow a garden, a real one or a metaphorical one between one another. Awesome. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks again to our sponsors, Asana Yoga Center at asanacenter.com and Roots Organic Juice Cafe at rootsjuicecafe.com. We here at Welcome Project Radio love to support our local businesses. And you can find us online at welcomeproject.valpo.edu and wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>